pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. April Fools, we're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest podcast of <laughs> Australia. <laughs> oh my God, if you so get stalked down. Oh no, I yeah. just gave away my address. Yeah. Luckily all our listeners are in the United States. Oh my God, You're, he was asking for it, Your Honour. He was asking <laughs> for it. My son's always going on about how much he wants to go to the United States because they have guns. Oh, yeah. Well, you can do that like crazy mad shit where it's like if you go to like – because over here – oh, my Lord. Okay, so we do have – you know, you can go to the gun shooting range and you can buy packages. Hmm. And, you know, you sort of – you get to fire, you know, six bullets from a Beretta, six bullets from a 9mm, you know, six bullets from the, you know, the Magnum. Yeah, the dirty hair gun, yeah. But, okay, where we are in South Australia, because – Somebody, okay, <laughs> yeah. basically went, oh, yes, please, I'd like to go in and do the $60 package, paid their $60, went in, shot themselves in the head in the range. So now in South Australia at the gun ranges, if you just go in to do these packages, yeah. um, the guns are actually tethered yes. um, to a lot of wires so they can't be pointed in any direction other than at the target yes so they can't be turned around so the the thinking being that if you want to actually get a gun that you can you know turn around and you're not criminally inclined um you have to basically you know sit for an exam study to get like your <laughs> gun license get yeah. a part-time job save up buy a gun and then do a mental health check yeah. hopefully at some stage either you will get counseling or um yeah not kill yourself <laughs> i i was working in mental health at the time that that happened yeah and i remember seeing the footage yeah and uh to her credit she got her value she oh. went she went through all the little guns and it wasn't until the 44 she turned that around and, oh really yeah so she she shot a few targets yeah i don't know maybe her scores were a bit low she's like fuck this respawn <laughs> but not quite Oh man, I didn't know she went through like the whole. You know, thing. From memory, I might be. I could be horribly insulting some poor mentally ill person's memory. Maybe, like to be honest though, like maybe she just wasn't confident. Like the Beretta would. Do yeah, it. yeah. This oh god, this is an awful note to get off on. But one of the things I used to have to do for work, mm. uh, and this is a really horrible thing to start off a podcast on, is I actually had to go through a lot of coroner's reports, mm. um, essentially to see whether or not the South Australian mental health system had failed people and their. Suicides were due to oh yeah uh, failings within the, the mental yep. health system. A lot of people fuck up firearm suicides. Oh, yeah. A lot of people yeah. fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. And they're not pretty. When you fuck them up, they're not pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, my mum was a nurse again in a rural area. Yeah, yeah. I remember they had a farmer who tried to do something with a shotgun. Yeah, um, and essentially just. Just blew off his jaw. Yeah, you got to. You've really got to know what you're doing. Unfortunately, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of suicides in Australia. Even though this is one of the things people think that. Oh God, this is a weird thing to be talking about. Yeah, but people think that um, the majority of suicides involve either firearms or hangings or pill overdoses and that kind mm. of stuff. A huge number of them are vehicular. People essentially get their car up to a really high speed, take the seatbelt off, and aim for a tree. Oh. Quite often. So when you talk, when you see a lot of single vehicle accidents in yeah. the country, there's no explanation to how it happened, no skid marks. That's what's happened. Oh, can I say, I used to also work for uh, public transport. Yeah. And I did my time in at the info centre. Mm-hmm. And obviously you would have people who would uh, commit suicide, um, you know, by going under a train. Yeah. But also because the trains go through a lot of sort of like rural areas, obviously if, if somebody... You know, so, you know, somebody without a home, um, you know, uh, overdoses by the train tracks. Obviously, they don't want a train going past and, you know, 10,000 people like being traumatized by the sight of a body by the side of the road or occasionally people hanging themselves by the road. Yeah. Um, what they would actually do, so obviously that shy, that line would just be shut down immediately. Yeah. And the policy is they would not talk about it in the press. Yeah. Um, because obviously they don't want copycats. 
Yeah, there's a there's a demonstrable link between that. Yeah, so they would basically just say, "Oh no, it's it, there's just like an error with the track or an error with the trains." Yeah, and so then we get like fifty thousand people who then like call us in and be like, "Your train service sucks." <laughs> um, Actually, it's very efficient. <laughs> yeah, so if you find that your train is cancelled, be uh, be considerate. It's probably everything is fine with the train. It's just something unfortunate has happened to somebody somewhere. And yeah. on that note. <laughs> If you're feeling like you want to go to the gun rage or, or go in front of a train, you know what? Don't do it. Don't do it. You know what? Live. It pisses people off. Unless you've unless you've gone about it rationally and you've got no options left. No. Then just do it properly. Well, I like okay, unless you're Sigourney, unless you're Ripley at the end of Alien 3 and the chest burster is literally, okay. literally about to jump out of your chest and get into the hands of Waylon Yutani, that is the only circumstance I will accept. <laughs> that is the only circumstance. It's Easter and we're talking about suicide. Possibly history's most famous suicide. Most famous suicide, yeah. yeah. Talk See, about going about it the fucking hard way. Oh, God, I tell you. Oh, God, he's look, he was a better dude than me. I wouldn't die for you. No, and also the whole redemption story just doesn't make sense. He died for Yeah, but why? It doesn't make sense. You know what? Because he had a lot. He had more hope for us than us. But it doesn't make sense. <laughs> can, can you imagine if you and I were in that circumstance, sent down from God? You and I would be in that garden. We'd see the Roman soldiers coming, and we'd just be like, "Get fucked a lot here." <laughs> I would be fucking over that hill and away. Yeah. Like fucking part the soldiers. Woo! Yeah, but he, he knew what he had to inherit. You know? Yeah. Oh, who'd want us? I wouldn't want us. I'd fucking I'd, I'd evict us and bring aliens in. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't evict all of us. You know, I would leave, say, John Ham in his sweatpants. <laughs> um, Jason Momoa. Yeah. In a wet t-shirt. Um, who else would I leave? Um, oh, you know what? Cat rescue ladies. I'd leave them on the planet. You seem to be creating a future where you prosper. <laughs> John Hamm and Jason Momoa are the only two men left. And funnily enough, there's someone here to rescue all the cats. <laughs> oh, my God. It really... You know what? Henry Cavill. There we go. So you've, you've essentially turned the earth into misery. <laughs> Why? But you're not going to break their legs in bed. Oh, I might break their legs in bed. <laughs> You'll be pissed off if you come out one morning and they've decided all to fuck cats. Oh, ew. Instead of you. <laughs> John Ham, what are you doing? You're just so... The universe well, is indifferent. No <laughs> cat's big enough for what we've, what we've seen. Um, there oh might, God, there might be a tiger. I told you that time I accidentally punched a man in bed. You have? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's... Your honour. Yes. I might accidentally break a jaw or two as well. <laughs> Imagine that. Being the last person on earth and they're just like, I'm going over there and fapping. <laughs> Wait till the coconut falls. <laughs> oh, it's a hard life. That's a hard life. What a, on a cheerier note, what have you been up to this week? Oh, well, apart from receiving some horrible news that I won't go into because it's just not, no. fit, not fit to broadcast and in no way are you able to... Uh, polish it up and make it sound good yeah nobody wants to talk about your like bowel test results <laughs> how many times have i told you nobody wants to talk about that shit hey, hey, hey. see what i did there get your test back oh i'm a virgo <laughs> <laughs> that's been interesting though because my family still lives in a small town called port period my son mm. uh, very much loves going up there for some reason because he's too young to recognize post-industrial misery mm. um mm. so he still enjoys it yeah uh, but beyond that, so we try and keep in touch with his his older nephew a bit. Yeah. And of course, in the post-pandemic world, the best way to do that is via video messaging and <laughs> kids' Facebook Messenger. It's amazing. You can actually, what you know, you can control who your kids talk to uh, and you can monitor it. Mm-hmm. And I had the joy of seeing a flame war unfold Ooh. between my, my 11-year-old nephew and my six-year-old son. Ooh. Do you want to explain to people who don't know what a flame war is? Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's an increasingly... It's like a rap battle, but for white kids. <laughs> Where you just, you Isn't just, that Eminem? Yeah, that's... yeah. <laughs> Where you just try and come up with the best insult possible. Excellent. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and they're quite creative. Okay. So my, my 11-year-old nephew is, you know, he's just taunting a six-year-old boy and saying, you smell like poo. 
and then mm. my son would... Well, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. They're doing, this, a classic. Via, they're doing yeah. this via voice messenger. Yes. So they're trading voice clips. Mm-hmm. And I can see this on my phone mm-hmm. as it's unfolding. <laughs> so it's like, you smell like poo. And my son responds and says, no, I, no, I don't. You smell like poo and your bum's a bin. I'm like, wow, that's not bad. <laughs> and it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher until 11-year-old nephew pulls out the big guns and says... Yeah. My mum says, we're going to take you to Port Wakefield and leave you in a bin. <gasps> well, Port Wakefield is a shithole. That's, yeah. a, that's a serious threat. Yeah. Uh. Serious threat. Yeah. My son sends back, he's mad. He sends back garbled whispering. You just can't hear what it is. Oh. 11-year-old taunts him back and says, you are a shitbird. <laughs> My son pulls out all the stops and you just hear this beautiful, it's like a mouse yeah. With, a, with a sailor's mouth as he just yeah. goes, motherfucker, <laughs> whispers it. Because <laughs> he's just seen Die Hard for the first time. <laughs> he forgot the yippee ki Yeah, I know. Oh, halfway there, halfway <laughs> there. Oh, my God, you did actually play the recording for me and it's so funny because he is so obviously like like cupped his yeah. mouth to the phone like under the quilt so no one will hear me say the bad word. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> uh, good value! Terrible parenting done right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I still can't wait for the day when he first hears the Close Encounters like theme, like actually sits him down for the movie. You need to film that. After I've done it for so long, I stopped doing it a few years ago. Playing him the Close you Encounters. Need, you need to start doing it again. I do. Yeah. In his sleep. Yeah, to complete your journey as the worst parent <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> You need to film his reaction when he actually hears it for the same time. Yeah. Yeah. The bad thing is, though, I'm a UFO nut. I'm fully into it. Yeah. And the other day, like, he he still has six-year-old kid fears. Mm -hmm. And he says things like, Dad, I'm scared of zombies. Zombies don't exist, son. It's okay. Dad, I'm scared of... Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm scared of vampires. Vampires don't exist. It's a lie to the kid. Yeah. I've already had when he said a UFO is real. No, they're not, son. It's like, they're totally fucking real. But the other day. So you're basically your house is a house of lies. It is. It is. With none of the guilt from Christianity, though. So it's just plain lying. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like it's like your own little parliament. <laughs> it's your own little house of Congress that you've built. It's a web of lies. But just the other night when we were sitting there going to bed, he comes up with a very specific fear. And he says, Ooh. Dad, why is it that when the aliens take you, they put you on a table and use a drill on your head? I'm like, what? Oh. The fuck have yeah. you been watching? Yeah. Oh, nothing. I just heard about it. The fuck? What are you kids yeah. talking about on the playground? Yeah. Well, apparently aliens drilling into your head with drills. First of all, son, they don't drill into your head. Oh, my God. Have you been taken into Bunnings? It's asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been taken into Bunnings, I which have. is a major warehouse, like hardware store in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's maybe what they're talking up and down the aisles. In Bunnings? Yeah, people just hear the of the drill and like Mob Barney is just like, starts having a flashback like, oh my God, oh, bright lights, oh my God, Mavis, get inside and make amazing scalloped potatoes. Tom, Tom, where are you going, Tom? Why are you running, Tom? These are some heavy flashbacks from previous episodes. (laughs) I'm just saying, maybe it just triggers something. So keeping a closer eye on him in the hardware store. You're suggesting I keep a closer eye on him around power tools? Yeah. Don't live in a nanny state. <laughs> Shittest <laughs> parent <laughs> in South Australia. Oh, my God. On the opposite end of the spectrum, yeah. should we talk about an excellent father? Yes, let's do that. Recently here in Australia. Um, <laughs> uh, we had an English tourist who decided to take one of his children out and behold the majesty of Australia and its natural wildlife. So so he's trying to get him killed. Oh, yeah. See, Madeleine McCann ruined it for bad British parents. They (laughs) they can't just disappear anymore. Yeah, I know. Just like, what? (laughs) Habeas corpus, you've got to bring him a body. He uh, decided to go swimming out into the ocean. That's your first mistake. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I know. There's a reason the locals are just standing on the shore with a stubby. Like, look at that ticket. <laughs> uh, decided to... No, it's all right. Nobody got eaten by a shark. Instead, mm. he swam out into the cool... Gen- there was no riptides, mm-hmm. you know, no warnings, no speedboats, no sharks, no crocodiles. Did get his ass kicked by an octopus. A fucking octopus. 
An octopus set about him and kicked the shit out of him. Fuck it. How big was this octopus? Pretty big. Jesus. Well, you know, when I say pretty big, octopus size. Yeah. Like this, I'm not talking about like some giant 200 feet from the depth. I mean normal average octopus size. He sort of got out, made his kid get out of the water as he's got all these like red marks on like the side of his neck and his yeah. body where he has just been thrashed, promptly thrashed. Yeah. The octopus legit threw its science stones at him. <laughs> what the fuck is it? <laughs> it threw tentacles. It, it actually duked up and threw it tentacles threw out. down. It threw down. And then he went back, proper tourist, got his phone and then was like recording the octopus who was then in the water still zapping him out just like, go on, I'll fucking have you, mate. <laughs> come, come. I'll fucking have you. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> fuck you up. And then I'll fuck your missus. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the octopus in the fight. It's the... Fighting the, the, fight the octopus. octopus. <laughs> oh my god! I'm telling you, this is why we should not fuck with octopus. Like, I don't understand why people eat octopus. They are so smart. Yeah, as they're well. ridiculously intelligent. Like, do you remember that story of? Um, there was it was some like transport business. They were like shipping an octopus, like they'd stolen it from the ocean. Yep. It was in the tank. It was being sold, you know, to some far off land. So it was. Um, this isn't Finding Dory, is it? No, no, no. So it was in its tank, and it sort of, you know, it, it was there for a couple of days. I guess sort of like learnt the security routines and oh, when wow. no one would be away. Figured out. How to get out of its tank, mm-hmm. okay? Um, how to like get itself like across the floor, okay? Mm-hmm. Open a window, okay, and manage to get out of the building, get out onto the dock, and <laughs> get itself back into the ocean and fucking freed itself. They're crazy intelligent, those things. Oh my god, yeah. So this guy, here's an idea: when you're in Australia and you see an octopus, don't fuck with it. Yeah, because mostly the the most horror stories you hear about octopi in Australia are yeah. some fucking idiot will pick up a blue ringed octopus. Yeah, and go wow, isn't this thing pretty? Yeah, it's like yeah, okay, yellow frog gonna kill you. Yeah, red snake gonna kill you. Yeah, tiny little octopus as cute as it is with flaring blue rings on it. Yeah, will kill you. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they they literally send you into was it just anaphylaxis instantly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no no fucking. It's a painful way to go. Yeah, it's a painful no way to go. Antivenine, you're fucked. Australian wildlife. Yeah. All right, can kill a TV personality on camera <laughs> and make it look like an accident. Don't fuck with them. But that's Australia. Everything is so deadly. All of the wildlife will kill you. You know what? Not only the wildlife will kill you. You know what else will kill you? The Sheilas. The Sheilas? The Sheilas will kill you in Australia. What's a Sheila? That is a colloquial term for an Australian lady. Ah, so that is the contradiction in terms. There are no ladies in Australia, just Sheilas. <gasps> Hush your mouth. <laughs> That's the first time you haven't cast a sentence with fuck off. Every Sheila is a lady and every lady is a queen. <laughs> You fucking can't. <laughs> okay, yeah, fucking Miss Broken Hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you are, you're still bitter because you know I will fuck you up like an octopus. Yeah. I don't come from the town that they fictionalised in Wake and Fright as Bundan Yabba, the worst place in the world, <laughs> and they actually cleaned it up before they filmed. <laughs> Shout out to Broken Hill. Hello. <laughs> Everybody loves the Yabba, mate. But what are, we, what are we talking about this week? Oh, my Lord. Now, when people think of cannibalism, Okay, they think hundreds of years ago, well, they they certainly don't think of Australia. Well, do we have a story from Australia from February 2000? What? 2000? That's the year of the Olympics. How dare you eat another person? This is for you to sink your teeth into. (laughs) As we discuss Australia's last recorded cannibal in this week's episode... Whoa, here she comes. Watch out, boy, she'll chew you up. Oh, here she comes. She's a man eater. Oh, very nice. Or, <laughs> Mom, what's for dinner? Is <laughs> that the best you got? Yes. What about instead of Terra Nullius, Terra Nom 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 Nom? Oh. Nice. That's, that's good with the kids. That's the, that's for the goosebumps version. <laughs> the 
Yeah. We're going to sanitize this and do an episode of Bluey. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We should do, like, children. It's like, how to explain cannibalism to your children. Some people got very, very hungry on a fishing trip. <laughs> and he's... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is why we should all eat tofu. Uh, now, there are some things that just shock us because they are so far removed from our comprehending that we can't even envisage it without becoming sick to our stomach, let alone doing it. You underestimate me. <laughs> You're like challenging <laughs> At age 15, Catherine Knight left high school, although she could neither read nor write. That's the Australian, that's the Australian system for you. Whew, this whole story essentially becomes a lesson on why people should learn to read and why they should read books. Uh, okay. Or e-books. I'll accept <laughs> e-books. Getting with, the, getting with the times. Or audio books. You know what? Yeah. Why not? As narrated by Morgan Freeman. No, yes. Oh, who would you want to narrate your life? Would you want? Would you think Morgan Freeman? No, I'd need someone with Russell Crowe. Oh, and then he's shit in a bin. <laughs> ah, I could see it. Oh my god, I could see. It. Well, there's that meme about it's like no, I'd uh, I'd have to have Samuel L. Jackson because my life um, requires the word motherfucker to be used a lot. Get my son to do it. Oh my god, I'm motherfucking motherfucker. sick of these motherfuckers. Snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so yeah, learn how to read. Uh, a year after leaving school, Catherine quit her job as a cutter in a clothing factory when she scored her quote finger waggle dream job. Yeah. Working mm. in. Mm. An abattoir. <sighs> Words you should never hear go together. Well, if, if you reach for the stars, it's further to fall. She started cutting up the offal, then quickly moved up the ranks to boner. <laughs> <laughs> and was given her own personal set of butcher's knives. Can I, just as a quick aside, tell you a very funny story about the local abattoir where I grew up? Oh, is this the word no, funny story and no, abattoir no, going no, no, together? No. No, animals, <laughs> no animals get harmed in this. Okay? So, essentially, the company that ran the abattoir was underpaying their workers. They weren't getting their sanctioned breaks. It was very dangerous. Yeah. So, you're working with incredibly sharp, dangerous equipment. Yeah. Um, animals, like it was flowing onto what happened to the animals. It was a horrible situation. Yeah. So, a tabloid TV program here yeah. in South Australia armed one of the workers up with a hidden camera. Yeah. And it was his job to go in there and show that the working conditions in there were shit. There was yeah. no hygiene. The animals were suffering and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The guy left it on and he went into the break room yeah. during their sanctioned break and they were all smoking ice. <laughs> and that's what made it to the, to the TV show. Just him and all his mates sitting around doing drugs, smoking crack. <laughs> and then getting on, then they're going off and mutilating animals essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's so exactly as we all pictured yeah. it would be. Yeah, so that backfired somewhat. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the old whistleblower on the glass whistle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh, my Lord. Um, the other thing about Catherine is she would go in, she had a particular penchant for the pigs and would go in. To watch the pigs being killed. To watch them be killed? Yes. Like as a spectator? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no alarm bells going off here. I, I get the feeling that this is not so much one of your vegan lectures as something that's truly horrifying. <laughs> she was given her own set of personal, personal set of butcher's knives. She would cut meat from the animal's bones... And slaughter animals each day. So she slowly worked her way up the ranks. Well, when I say uh, slowly, I mean energetically leapt up to the actual cutting of the animals. Okay. Um, so it's her, it's her job to deliver the lethal cut. Yes. Right. And she would slaughter animals each day. Yeah. Now, what you have to understand is that an abattoir yeah. is a horrific place. Yeah. And is quite easily the new definition of hell. 
Um, abattoir workers suffer severe multiple mental health issues. It cannot be a nice place to work. Approximately 25,000 people are employed in the 300-plus abattoirs in Australia on average. Yeah. They are slaughtering about 10,000 animals each hour. That's an animal being killed every three seconds in Australia. I'm just beating Bono right now. Killing over 600 million animals each year. In Australia alone? That's just in Australia. Fuck me sideways. Make no mistake, there is not. this is not the gentle passing of your dog at the veterinarian. This is 10,000 animals each hour, each hour that go kicking and screaming to their death. Now, there is no gentle or humane way to kill something that does not want to die. This is why abattoir workers suffer from a whole host of psychological issues. Yeah. Including paranoia, aggression, disassociation, amnesia, depression, suicidal tendencies and rage. As well as being more prone to violence, committing physical and sexual assault as well... Surprise, surprise, as unusually unusually high addictions to drugs and alcohol. And there's, there's no judgment here because people have got to work where they've got to work. As far as I'm concerned, I know that you being a vegan currently now want to subject me to all those things. But these are often jobs taken up by people with little education, new migrants, all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the like a lot of the times it is. Um, you know, uh, people say, "Oh, you know, like they're anti-migration," but they're, they're the ones who are doing these jobs because you cannot get people. Yeah. Because of the of all of these problems listed, the simple fact is, like you know, we still have a people still have a hunger for meat, but nobody wants to kill the animals. Yeah. Um, research overseas concluded that towns with abattoirs experienced higher rates of domestic violence. They also have much higher rates of violent crimes, including murder, and a 166% increase in sexual assault and rape reports. Yeah, but a 400% increase in deliciousness. (laughs) Finding that on average, meat workers' aggression levels were similar to high-level incarcerated prison populations. Okay. (laughs) Far out. So what I'm trying to tell you with all of that yeah. is if you meet an abattoir worker yeah. and they tell you it's their, quote, <laughs> finger waggle, dream job, yeah. don't make eye contact, back away slowly, yeah. get in your car and drive away as fast as you possibly can. That's probably not bad advice. Catherine would take her knives home every night and hang them over her bed. Over her bed? Over her bed. Now, I can appreciate people who take good care of their work tools and Mm -hmm. a good set of butcher's knives Mm -hmm. are a work tool. They're not so much a bedroom thing. It's, would you be impressed if you went home to a builder's and he just had all his Makitas hanging up? <laughs> See, I've lived with builders and their bedrooms tend to be the lounge room floor. <laughs> I, once, I once passed out on parts of an engine at a friend's house. <laughs> I've got to admit, I once, had, um, uh, I once had a police belt hanging over the, uh, the end of the bed stand. Oh, hello. Well, that's kind of hot, but... I think that's the only kind of, you know, work equipment that's sexy strung up over the bed. Can you think of anything else that's sexy to string up over the bed? Uh, honestly, no. Oh, fireman's helmet. See these? Yeah. Oh, there's no reverse version of that. Hey. You know, nurse's costume, no. Yeah, no, I'm, it's just I'm a lot of puke and piss, to yeah, be honest. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, nothing, no, nobody wants to be, you know what? It's your, it's your, you don't want to be reminded of work when you're at bed. No. No one wants to be reminded. I bet you Karl Marx had a problem with people cosplaying in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, we're an instrument of police brutality now, are we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to be fucked by the state again. <laughs> oh, fine. Oh, my God. I'm just trying to put some spice in the relationship, Carl. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't just sit there and talk about the proletariat all the time. <laughs> what about my proletariat? I've got a lump in my proletariat. <laughs> oh, 
oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Why won't you go down on my state? <laughs> Cross your name off my little red book. <laughs> a real marksman goes down on the carpet. Rise up, all you have to lose are your inhibitions. <laughs> oh, Catherine would take... Um, oh my God, do you want to know one of my favourite things in the world? What's that? You want to know one of my favourite things in the world about... Was it Stalin? Um, was it Stalin? Because he had everybody so terrified yeah. of him. Mm. Um, <laughs> and he would be known to send more than one person to Siberia. Just one or two. Yeah. 45 million, yeah. Mm. And I'm presuming there was a lot of, you know, um, <laughs> comrade cosplay in yeah. the old boudoir. Because he, he actually died in his boudoir. The thing is, he had a heart attack. Yeah. And he fell over. All right, bam, 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 knocking things over. He was actually still alive. But he was like in there, I think, for like a, a day and dead. Because everybody was too scared shitless to go into his bedroom when they heard all the noise. Oh, no. Because they were worried if he was just like <laughs> jacking it or something. Yeah. And they walked in on it. Them and their whole family would be shipped to Siberia. So he sort of laid there like still alive. Like, <laughs> trying, like I'll just knock this over to get like attention and they'll come rushing in. Knocked it over. Fucking no one. Nothing. Everyone was like, you go in? No, you go in. Fucking you go in. No, you go in. Imagine being that poor guy at Siberia <sighs> next to Solzhenitsyn working on his scrambler phone. What are you here for? Oh, I wrote a novel that <laughs> challenged the orthodoxy mm-hmm. of the uh, the Russian state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about you? Caught Stalin wanking. <laughs> <laughs> to a Walmart catalogue. Very weird. Oh, Western imperialism. Yeah, no oh, capitalism. Oh, my God. <laughs> Minimum wage, not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Lordy Lord. So, yes, she would hang her knives over the bed. (laughs) And this is something she would do in every home that she lived in. Now, to me, this should be the end of the story. Because if you go to someone's bedroom and they have abattoir knives strung up above the bed, I'm going to suggest, again, don't stay. Certainly don't have sex with that person. Mm. Don't enter into a relationship and certainly don't marry them. Now, this is working class Australia. Mm-hmm. At what point do you differentiate between ornamental Jim Beam sword, <laughs> which would be commonplace? Yeah, that's and fine. That's fine. At what point do you just go ornamental Jim Beam sword, butcher's knives, nah, she's too much? <laughs> You know what? If you even have to ask that story, you're the reason why these <laughs> things happen. <laughs> Catherine married her, her first husband. He was an alcoholic who also worked at the abattoir. Okay, yep. Catherine rode to her wedding on her motorbike with her drunk fiancé in the sidecar. Sexy. <laughs> he was absolutely hammered. (laughs) This is a functional relationship. Before the service, Catherine's mother reportedly told the groom, (coughs) quote, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. How come she's got a British accent? Yeah, I know. I, I'm trying to do an Australian accent. I can't do it. You, you're just scared that all your years of deportment training will fall away <laughs> like a sheet of ice on a windscreen and the everyone will see... in Spain. <laughs> everyone will see the truth is... mainly. Gotta watch this, cunt. All right, I'll try, I'll try and do my... <laughs> Go on. You better watch this one. Or sh- no, I still can't do it. Still I can't do British. it. I can't do Australian. I'm trying to channel like uh, Mel Gibson in Mad Max 2. He's like, I'll die that tanker. They'll kill you. You better watch that one or she'll fucking kill you. They say Australian is the worst, is like the hardest accent to do. I mean, maybe I should try to do South African. (laughs) Eh, you better watch this one. (laughs) That's India. Is Eh. your entire reference the power of one? (laughs) I'm just going to say Lethal Weapon (laughs) 2. Oh my goodness. But, But you're black. That's all I could say in South African. Wow. 
Okay. <laughs> hey, you better watch this one, eh, or she'll fucking kill you. Well, you know, I could just just speak normally because yeah. I am actually Australian. Yeah. Um, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you, stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. <laughs> Don't ever think of playing upon her. She'll fucking kill you. Playing upon her? Oh, Play- playing up on her. Yes. Oh. This was her mother. Okay. To her new son-in-law. Nice. At the wedding. Something borrowed. I'm guessing it was whatever they had in cash converters that day. <laughs> whatever they nicked. <laughs> Something blue was the bruise. Oh, Can you, like, you, I'm just saying. Yeah. You, would you maybe be like, mm, you know what? I'm maybe going to get an Uber and sober up and rethink this decision. I don't know. He got a pretty sweet ride in a sidecar. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but the happiness, shockingly, wouldn't last. <laughs> okay. Colour me surprised. Everything was boding so well. Yeah. With Catherine attempting to strangle her new husband on the wedding night. Oh, the old Michael Hutchins surprise. Because he fell asleep after having intercourse Only three times. Catherine, it seems, was not done. Catherine said that she expected to have sex at least six times on her wedding night. Wow. What, was it her first go? Or I doubt it. No. um, It would turn out because apparently her parents had had sex five times on their wedding night. And you just got to one-up the oldies, don't you? Yeah. I mean... Dude, it's Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> Pew. Yeah, well, yeah, James Cameron's proof. If you're going to do a sequel, go bigger. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, who? I, I would not want to know if my parents have had sex ever. Um, apparently, the parents would have sex in front of the kids a lot. Okay. Yeah, her parents would. Yeah. In front of the kids. Not happy. Not happy. Not good. He, he was also an abattoir worker. Okay. Mm. Okay, well, that's, yeah, that's a curveball. It's one hell of a Christmas. Yeah. You <laughs> to see me stuff the turkey, kids. <laughs> there's, a, there's a dad joke. <laughs> Daddy's going to keep mummy a present right now. <laughs> it's so small. <laughs> so she attempted to strangle him. Sometime later, she would fracture her husband's skull with a frying pan. Fuck. For an unknown reason. Fuck. Presumably, not enough sex. <laughs> Well, that'll help. She would then give birth to her first child. It's the usual. It's a love and marriage, love and marriage. Catherine went back to abattoir work and then had a second child. And then back to the abattoir. Mm-hmm. And then her husband got the biggest break of his life. Was it his skull again? When Catherine left him. Fuck. Talk about dodging a bullet. But also, good on the abattoir for having such a progressive maternity leave policy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Catherine met her next fella and the two quickly moved in together. That's why you got to take your time. Yeah. Catherine promptly bore her third child and the couple purchased a house. That's something I still haven't managed to do. I'm now jealous of a fucking cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine quickly put her own unique design flair on the house and promptly decorated every single room in the house with an assortment of animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, pitchforks, rakes, and machetes. See, I'm thinking this is a standard bogan house at this point. <laughs> Knives are, it's just a fucking bong shop. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 Jim Beam branded mirrors, Harley Davidson swords. Uh, I, w- I would like to uh, for the Jim Beam company who would like to sponsor us one day. There is no Jim Beam branding on any of these. Oh, um, she's objects. just an enthusiast. Yeah, just she's just going for that better homes and Ed Gaines garage. Well, that's all I like, think. Is like they do all these like home renovation show where it's like give us twenty thousand dollars and we'll renovate to your heart's desire. Can you imagine her as a client? That'd be so good. Oh. My God! How do you like my uh, my Wolf Creek rape shed? <laughs> <Feel>. <laughs> and it'd be like 
Yeah, better homes and gains. That's what it would be <laughs> with this house. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so I hear you like pickling. So we've created your pickling room. Uh, so what are you a fan of? Onions, uh, carrots, uh, human human heads. Okay, and moving on, we have your gift wrapping station. <laughs> Let's look at what the lamp's made of. <gasps> Vaginas. <laughs> oh, wow. I really love the way that you've... Upcycled this. <laughs> oh, Catherine would then injure her new beau by hitting him with an iron. Jesus fuck! Well, straight in the face. Okay, that's a little too Home Alone for my liking. Then, with a pair of scissors, after stabbing him in the stomach, he went into hospital. Upon returning from hospital, he found that Catherine had shredded all of his clothing. This time, her partner would make the smartest decision of his life when he took his long service leave and went into hiding. Jesus! These are abattoir workers. These are not fucking soft people. Yeah. Wow. Even So these are people that are killing 10,000 animals a day and they're like, nah, I am out. Holy shit. This is too much for me to handle. So he packed up his ice and he left. Fuck. Catherine attempted to find him but was unsuccessful. Then Catherine would find herself another relationship, again with a former co-worker from the abattoir. Well. I'm guessing not a lot of ladies. Not a lot of ladies in the, the meat industry. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> um, Are you treating me like a piece of meat? You mean deftly cut? Yeah, pop my artery, baby. Pop it. <laughs> pop it. Oh, my Lord. Uh, John Chillingworth. Catherine fell pregnant again and would give birth to a son called Eric. All in all, this relationship would last f- uh, for three years before she would leave John for her longtime lover, John. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, if you were going to have an affair, that has to be the laziest kind of affair you possibly can. Or is it the smartest? I think it's the smartest. There's no accidentally using the wrong name during, yeah, like, uh, during whatever fucking marathon sex session you're having. Yeah, yeah. You can't be Carl. I mean, Barry, Henry, what the fuck? Oh. Ah. Yeah. Have you ever been called the wrong name? No, I because have. I am the star. <laughs> I was once. Fuck, it was funny. Really? Yeah, it was really good. Was it Okay, man or woman's name, were they screaming out? Man. Man, okay. Yeah. Well, you can't just say that story and then not say anything. Give us more details. Oh, well, you know, the the, the thing was underway. Yes. Not in front of any children because we're not fucking weird. Yeah. And uh, said, I don't know, do I describe them as my uh, co-participant? Uh-huh, yes. Then used the name of her recently <laughs> recently separated partner who'd left her. Mm. And I'll tell you what, there's never been less pressure in my life. It's just like... Pfft. This is all on him. This is all on him. <laughs> I'm off the clock. <laughs> just like Fred Flintstone. Yeah, but dabba doo down the side of the fucking dinosaur. Woo, I'm off. <laughs> Aww. Well, you, you, your feelings were hurt just a little no, bit. No, I'd laughed. You could carry on through that? I could. Oh, my lord. Yes, that's right. John was replaced by John. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Just lazy. Laziness. <laughs> I don't care. Catherine moved in with John, but it didn't take long before arguments, often violent, would break out. Mm. It seems that Catherine was furious by John's refusal to marry her. <gasps> oh, and she seems like the stable Marion type. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. I've never understood that. Like if you if you know you're, when your relationship starts with an affair, how yeah. are you like? Yeah, he's so trustworthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, what he won't marry me. This is bizarre. Yeah, like oh, he has commitment issues. What? <laughs> he cheat on me. What? Now enter into this binding agreement in front of God that I'm certain to break. Yeah. Oh, awkward. <laughs> I promise to love, cherish, honor, and obey. Unless I'm on a business trip in Vancouver. (laughs) Or she's an 8.5 or above. (laughs) But it didn't take long before arguments, often violent, broke out. It seems, Catherine, 
as I said, refu- angry with his refusal to marry her. So Catherine decided to take her revenge. Catherine used a video recorder okay. to film things from around the house that she claimed John had stolen from his workplace at the local mine and then sent the video to John's boss. Fuck. What are that some cold-hearted that pimp is, shit? That is, yeah. Oh, John was fired from the job he had held for seventeen years at the mine. Fuck. John kicked Catherine out of the house. Okay, that's gonna bode well. <laughs> Someone who sleeps under knives. That's who's just like. I'm a little bit pissed off. But a few months later, the relationship rekindled. Oh, <laughs> it's all forgiven. <laughs> um, now, it should be known that uh, all of uh, Catherine's exes yeah. have all said the one thing that Catherine did was Catherine used a lot of sex as an apology. Okay. So there was a lot of sex. Okay. A lot of sex. Okay. And when people asked, oh, so why did you stay with a lot of sex? <laughs> okay. that I mean, you don't really need to be a, a behavioural psychologist to understand what's going on there. Mm. Someone who loves killing and fucking mm. and uses fucking to make up for... Mm. Yeah. Mm. lot of sex. <laughs> oh, lot of sex. Uh, and again, like, you know, they're like remote... Remote places. There's not a lot of TV channels. There's really not. There's really not. Especially back here. And there's not many women either. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. John refused Catherine's request to move back in with him and the fighting became more and more frequent. By this stage, most of his friends had removed themselves from his life, saying they didn't want to be a part of his life as long as Catherine was still in the picture. Healthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that see that's that's what they do. Yeah. That's what people do in abusive relationships. They they sort of manipulate the situation. So they sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, drive. Well, they isolate. Yeah, they isolate them. You know, they drive other people. You know, out of their life till eventually there's no one left but Catherine. Yeah. And a lot of sex. Yeah. A lot of sex. On the 29th of February. 2000, mm-hmm. Catherine bought brand new sexy lingerie. Oh, hello. And when I say brand new sexy lingerie, I mean from an op shop. I feel I wanted to add that. So she didn't even go big W. She found a bargain. She found a bargain. Well, you know, as long as you're sewing new gusset in. I'm not happy with, with secondhand lingerie. No. That's... That's... No. 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 I think that there's just, like, unless we're talking, like, about the apocalypse, there's no reason to be wearing dead man's shoes. Very true. You know? Um, and it goes the same with panties. Panties more so than shoes, mm. I think. Because, mm. you, know, you know, at least you can spray the shoes with some odor eater and leave them oh, outside for a day or two. Oh, no. Have you seen the condition of some men's feet? Oh. You've, you've clearly never tried to get hold of an original pair of Jordans. <laughs> Because I'm not wearing secondhand shoes or secondhand panties. Or, you know what, secondhand vibrators. Oh, there's no such thing. There is. No. There is. No, I swear to God. My sister took my mum at, you know, they have those giant, you know, at like, you know, the race course, everybody comes, trash and treasure market. For the benefit of the listeners, my eyebrows have left my head. (laughs) You know, everybody puts out their little card table from the shed and everybody, you know, puts out. Yeah. The thing. So my mum is very conser- a very conservative, easily shocked person. Yes. Um, so they were just wandering around and, and my mum was, you know, off to, to, to one table and my mum was sort of like, <gasps> like made an audible like gasp at yeah. the trash and treasure maker. And my sister straight away is like, oh my God, what piece of crap is my, like what, what? She comes over, second hand vibrator. Secondhand vibrator, on like it, like it wasn't shaped like a penis. It was just sort of you know one shaped. of the old school nineteen seventies ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there it was on the table, and I'm ne- like, I don't need two dollars that bad. Hand sanitizer can do wonderful things. No. It's not a miracle. 
Wow. So yeah. what, it was a new old stock that had been sitting out the back of a triple X theater. Yeah, this was just like, it was just this, uh, they, they just had all these other like, you know, like little, you know, alarm clock by the bed. Okay. Like I think it's somebody's mum must have <clears throat> died or something. For anyone who's collected Star Wars figures, was it new in box? <laughs> no. Oh, it was out. It was of- clearly, it was out of box. It was just there. Oh. With like the little alarm clock and the pill box and the, oh, like, hey. yeah. These country markets, yeah. I've been I've been looking into them a lot for um, going to sell hot sauce, mm. and there's two kinds. Mm. There is the extreme elite. You have to have everything on upcycled timber. Yes. You can't use any plastic packaging. There needs to be local provenance on all the ingredients that have gone into your mm-hmm. into your thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's one type. Mm-hmm. The other type is. You got a wheelbarrow? Yeah. Well, go sit up next to the Tarago selling gollywogs. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, apparently I can add dildos to that list. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I don't know if she had providence of what had gone in her box, but... <laughs> Take uh, that to Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> now, nobody would know that Diana was going through quite a lonely patch. We call uh, this one Dodie. <laughs> oh god! Now we know why the car crashed mm, in the French Tunnel. Oh my god! That, oh my god! That's what I'm calling my. That's what I'm calling my vagina from now on. The French Tunnel. The French Tunnel, and here comes Doody. Scandalized. Oh no. Okay. I'm so distracted myself with the second hand dildo. Oh, my God. So, the 29th of February, she bought second-hand undies. On the 29th of February, 2000, John Price went to the Scone Magistrates Court for a restraining order to keep Catherine away from him and his children. Oh. Reportedly, John said to his co-workers, if he did not come to work the next day, it would be because Catherine had killed him. Okay. When John Price arrived home, he found the house was silent, not a living soul inside. Catherine was not there, but neither were the children. The kids had been sent to a friend's house for a sleepover. John spent the evening at his neighbour's house. He returned home about 11pm and went to bed. I mean, if you're worried about being murdered by your estranged partner, would you really come home and sleep in the same bed? Under her knives. Later that night, oh God. as he slept, Catherine would let herself into the house. Okay. She went in and I she... I don't think John's going to make it to work tomorrow, is he? She watched television for a few moments. Okay. Turns out Star Trek. There you go. Well, watched it to the end of the episode. Good. Then had a shower. Someone really liked Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just noticed. Oh my god! What the the German cannibal? He read Star Trek to the man in the bath. He did, yeah. Before it's a connection. <laughs> uh, she then went and had a shower. She then put on her sexy nighty. She then entered her the sexy second hand nighty. Her sexy second hand nighty. She then entered the bedroom, and John Price woke up to find Catherine. In the bedroom. This could go one of two ways. Lots of sex or death. (laughs) He's probably feeling like a praying mantis at this point. The two of them would have sex. Oh, bingo. Lots of sex. Yep. Then John fell asleep. John would still be asleep the first time Catherine would stab him. Oh, no. With a butcher's knife. Jesus. Which she had sharpened that day. John startled. His first instinct was to try to turn on the light beside the bed. John then made a desperate run through the house for the front door. Catherine was on his heel, chasing him through the house, stabbing him 37 times in both the front and the back of his body. Many of the stab wounds piercing his vital internal organs. Catherine, a professional, knew where to stab. Oh, this is a wound. This is a kill. John Price somehow managed to make it to the front door and pull it open. 
and took two steps outside to safety, to freedom. But then whether he stumbled and fell or more likely Catherine knocked him to the ground, John went to the ground and Catherine then dragged him back inside the house into the hallway, shutting the door. And there in the hallway, John died, bleeding out in his own hallway in front of the front door. Fucking hell. That's brutal. Catherine would then take John's ATM card, visit a local ATM machine and withdraw $1,000. Seems to be the motivation in a lot of these crimes. Catherine then returned to the house and applied her years of training with almost flawless precision. Catherine set about completely skinning John. Skinning? Skinning. Hang on. Skinning? Skinning. Jesus, man. Motherfucker. (laughs) And I mean his entire body. Head to toes. Okay. And what was she going to do with the skin? In one flawless piece. Having tried to peel an apple before, I'm actually kind of impressed. Mm Mm-hmm. It was, you know, you look at the in Men in Black where he's wearing an Edgar suit. Yeah. She created a John suit. Fucking hell. Yeah. Once she finished, she hung John's skin on a meat hook, which she hung off the architrave of the lounge room door. Okay. She then decapitated him and sliced off other cuts of meat from his buttocks. This is some fucking Mexican cartel shit. Catherine, being a good housewife, then set about cooking up a feast. She cooked up the steaks, rump steaks, reportedly her favourite cut. Okay. She cooked up the steaks with pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, baked potatoes and gravy. That sounds pretty good. It actually sounds really good. (laughs) I was getting kind of hungry. I was like, I could... While I was researching this, I was like, you know what, I could really go a roast tonight. <laughs> Vegan roast, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did the I did the full fixins, you know. Yeah. I used Tom's recipe for scalloped potatoes. <laughs> that's that's some epic vittles. Oh yeah. Whoa, I love a bit of gravy. Um Catherine then set the uh, the table. The dinner table was set up with two place settings with a handwritten note. Indicating the guest's table seating. The two names on the cards were the names of John Price's two children. Oh, Jesus, fuck. No doubt ready for when they popped over. Oh, wasn't the house a fucking massacre scene, though? With her stew bubbling away, yeah. Catherine then decided to make a stew. So with the stew bubbling away, Catherine returned to the body and posed it so that the corpse was sitting with legs crossed and John's left arm draped over an empty 1.25 litre bottle of soft drink. (laughs) What? As if to mock his laziness. But to show that she's care, she did put him in his favourite chair. It's the little touches, you know, like you've been in a relationship, you know, it's all about the little touches. I'm having a look at the little things, these people right now. Mm. And he was a big unit. Mm. She's fucking hell, she's a scary woman. Go on, (laughs) one big enough. (sighs) The next morning, John's employer. Well, you can imagine, like, she worked her life in an abattoir. Yeah. Okay, and, like, she she was just, like, some people are just strong. And then she spent, like, and it's all about boning in the knives. Like, you know, 10-hour shifts a day. Can you imagine the arms? Oh, God, no wonder she was popular in the bedroom. Oh. The strength in those hands. Yeah, she could dislocate bones that you didn't know you had. Oh, she could crush your car. God. <laughs> Hulk angry. Hulk smash your dick. <laughs> the next morning. 
John's employer was concerned that John had not come to work that day. So he sent another employee to John's house. What a shit boss. That's a shit boss. Don't call the cops. Yeah. Just be like, oh, it's fine. it could be a crime scene. Yeah, do you want to? Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, going on work compo? Oh, because my boss made me go over to find, like, the decapitated body of my co-mate. Yeah. <laughs> the skinless body of my co-worker. The, the employee ran into John's neighbour, who was also concerned about seeing John's car still in the driveway, as John was traditionally an early riser for his early shifts. The two of them went to the front of the house and saw blood on the front door. And they rang the police. Good work. At 8am, the police arrived. Right. They broke down the back door and none of the police officers would ever be the same again. Were they hungry? That's the point. God, it's so funny. Like, one of the, like, basically one of the, um, <laughs> reading all the different stories, one of the cops was like, oh, I was so traumatized. I was so traumatized. I couldn't eat steak for a month. <laughs> but then one month later, like, yeah, I could go, right Doesn't look like Trevor. <laughs> Inside the house, they found John's decapitated, skinless body. Hoy. The officers. Then looked for his head. Okay. Their eyes are eventually drawn to the still warm pot on the stove. Oh, no. There, inside the pot, with an assortment of herbs and vegetables, five a day, Mm -hmm. was John Price's head. Well, she doesn't waste a cut, that's for sure. They also found what seemed to be a serving of the John Stew chucked out on the back lawn, which later prosecutors would suggest were the remains of Catherine's serving of John Stew. John, it would seem, was not to her taste. (coughs) Others have suggested that being the considerate housewife, John had thrown a bowl of stew out the back for John's dog to eat. Oh, one for the homies. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, one for me, one for my homies. (laughs) Catherine was also found inside, slumped over, passed out from taking an assortment of pills. Oh, so she's tried to neck herself after this. The important thing to know is actually reading this, there was like more than one time. There had been times before where Catherine had been in trouble, like she'd done something really bad. Yeah. Um... And when a lot of sex didn't work, had tried taking a fistful of pills before right. to get the attention ah. of those that she wished to get the attention. So right. this was not this was not the first time that Catherine had taken a fistful of pills. Okay. Catherine was arraigned on the charge of murdering John Price on the second of March two thousand and one. She entered a plea of not guilty. <laughs> I, I tripped, Your Honour. <laughs> yeah, I just fell. <laughs> Catherine initially offered to plead guilty to the lesser charge of manslaughter. <laughs> but this offer was rejected by everyone. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough. <laughs> Before the jury was even selected, the judge offered the prospective jurors the right to voluntarily be excused due to the nature of the evidence, mainly the photographic evidence. Oh, Christ almighty. Five prospective jurors immediately took this withdrawal option, followed shortly afterwards by another seven, who decided, without really hearing much of the case, decided they had already heard too much. Yeah. Catherine's defence team were planning to defend her by claiming amnesia, disassociation and a borderline personality disorder from her years of working in abattoirs. But shockingly, Catherine changed her plea to guilty. Okay. No one knows why. Because she fucking did it? (laughs) Even to this day, she continues to deny any responsibility for her actions. Okay. 
Catherine had her lawyer's request that she be excused from hearing the testimony concerning the skinning and decapitation, but the judge refused. You did it. Mm. You got to listen to it. Yeah. Justice O'Keefe said that a severe penalty was required due to the nature of the crime and Catherine's complete lack of remorse. So on the 8th of November 2000, Catherine Knight was sentenced to life imprisonment and refused to fix a non-parole period. Justice O'Keefe ordered that her record be marked never to be released. Fuck. It's like the beginning of a really shitty X-Men film. It is. This was the first time this has ever been imposed on a woman in recent Australian justice history. Fucking hell. Six years later, in June of 2006, Catherine felt she'd done enough time. Catherine would appeal her life sentence, saying that life in prison with no possibility of parole was just too severe a penalty. Mm, And there's just not enough sex in prison. (laughs) The appeal was dismissed with one of the three justices on the parole board writing in their judgment that, quote, this was an appalling crime almost beyond contemplation in a civilised society. Never been to New Orleans at Mardi Gras. <laughs> Although, what should be said is in a testament to Catherine's skill with a knife, it was that reported that she had done such an excellent job of removing the skin, that when John Price's body was brought back together, shall we say, for its final resting, the skin was simply able to be stitched back together again over the flesh. Jesus. Catherine, now 65, resides in Silverwater Women's Correctional Centre, where she will remain for the term of her natural Life. And she's never allowed to make the stew. <laughs> that Paul Kelly song would be very different if it was about her. You would not want her walking in the kitchen. I mean, I know they say prison food is bad, but woo! <laughs> Who's going to make the gravy? Please not, Catherine. <laughs> Please not. In another note, Catherine, the entire time that she's been in prison, yes. has always had a room to herself. Funny, that. Hmm. <laughs> for fear that she gets angry <laughs> and eats her cellmate. I, I do have a tendency to... Well, okay, I think we're done, aren't we, little mate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? Turn it off. <laughs> The critics have spoken. <laughs> I think we're going to have to. Real Mothman eat the carpet. 